Good morning. Uh, I really believe that we've heard the message. That when we worship, when we worship, we are expressing our faith. We're expressing what we believe. And there's such a flow with worship and there's such a flow with the word of God when he's speaking. And I believe that our worship is the word of God. It's what he's speaking to our hearts and he's speaking through us. And if you notice, a lot, there's a lot of things about pause. You know, we don't know what we have till we don't have it. This corporate worship is such a treasure. <laughs> we are so blessed that there's a flow, there's a dance, there's the dance of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dance. And when we come together, we dance, and it's the same flow, and we bring our pieces together. And that's what I see what's happened here today, right from the beginning. And in this pause, because God started talking to me about a pause in 2020 in January in the prayer room, and he, and he was talking about, I'm pushing the pause button. Did you not hear the pause button push several times this morning? So you could just stop and silence your mind and open up your heart and let God speak to you, let him touch you. We even had the privilege of giving what's in our heart that's troubling us, like David. We can vent. We can say things that maybe uh, religion would say, don't say that, don't do that. Um, and would, religion would try to fix you. But you know what? Your healing never starts until you vent, until you let it go so God can come in and fill that place. There's a divine exchange. He wants real people to come and worship him. He doesn't want us to come before him and not be real. He wants to come before him with the real stuff that's in our hearts because he knows it's there. And I really believe that this pause when, when, um, when Danielle was speaking, she was talking about um, pushing the, she, her first word was connection and she said it so many times. And that's what this pause is all about. God wants to connect with our hearts, not our minds. It's an invitation, this pause. It's an invitation just to say yes, to open up our hearts and let him in. And so in the battle, you're going to hear a lot of words that we're in worship, a lot. Go back and listen to worship again. Go back and listen to what Jesse said. Because you know what? When we come together, we've heard the word a lot. We just need to give him our hearts and let him massage our hearts and let him comfort our hearts. That's where growth starts. So God said he's pushing the pause button last January, and he gave me this scripture, be still and know that I am God. That's what happens in a pause. We go from our head to our heart, and we actually experience him tangibly. We actually have an experience with God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We sang it. The battle's not ours. It's God's. He will be glorified in every loss, in every victory. The battle belongs to him, and he will be glorified. And he said that God said that he's moving sovereignly. And I really believe this is a sovereign move of God. We're looking at what the world's doing. But are we seeing right now how God's moving sovereignly? And he wants to open up our eyes so that we see what he's doing in the earth right now. And I really believe what God's been revealing. This is an awakening. This is a love awakening. This is a healing awakening because love heals. Love heals the heart. It heals the disconnection. Danielle talked a lot about connection, connection, connection. It's because we don't even know where we're disconnected. There's all kinds of things in our heart that disconnect us. And how do we know? It usually disconnects us from the body of Christ. It'll disconnect us from other people. It'll disconnect us from relationship. 
what goes up and comes down has to go out. So there has to be, okay, God, I need a healing in my heart because I'm not connecting. And so I really believe that this is an awakening in the earth. And when God started showing me this, he's talked to me about this awakening about four years ago, but he showed me it was happening with George Floyd. And I watched the video and it traumatized me, absolutely traumatized me. And then I watched a few videos on a pastor's Facebook. He was a black pastor and he was videotaping, he was videotaping the protesters, the rioters, the looters. And my, I started sobbing uncontrollably for them. And I knew it was God's heart. And right at that, at the, kind of at the end of it, two friends showed up at my door. They knocked on my door and I went to the door and they actually thought someone had died because that's how heartbroken I was by what I saw. And one of them was Jamaican. One of them was a black person. And we just held onto each other because of what we've seen and what we heard and what we know. But I really believe God wants to bring good out of that awakening because there's been generational trauma. There's been generational abuse. There's been generational things that have never come to the surface. Grieving, loss, abuse, people that have been dehumanized. There's all kinds of groups in the world that have been dehumanized. There's genocide in the country that my daughter lives in. They've been dehumanized. Their life has absolutely no value. And we cycle around it and we think, well, we'll make laws and we'll say, we want justice. But that never changes anybody's heart. So then as a, as a culture, we cycle again. So it's up to the church to break that cycle. And that starts here. We have to value every person because we want to. And it only comes from knowing how precious we are. And then we'll know how precious every person is in here. It's not comparing ourselves with them. It's not competing with them. It's, it's not putting them down and putting yourself up. It's saying, wait a minute, we have the same value. We're both precious in daddy's eyes. So I, I believe that this awakening in their anger and their protesting, they had no voice. Can you imagine having no voice for generations? You would be angry too. You'd, you'd be angry too. You'd probably have some pretty bad behavior. And so they were on the streets. They wanted to be heard. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be known. They were venting the pain of the generations. And Jesus' mandate is, I came to heal the brokenhearted. I have good news. Do we have good news for these people groups? Or do we just watch like spectators? Or are we going to make a difference in these people's lives? And I, I really believe that God, this is the season of the awakening, that God's been doing this in the church for like 30 years. He's awakened his people to being sons and daughters. The spirit of adoption is upon us. He's given us spiritual fathers and mothers that we've been following, that activated sonship in us, that we're not orphans. We're, we don't have a poverty spirit. We know that we're sons and daughters of the king. And so laws will not change anything. So we can say, well, we want justice for these people. The justice of the world won't change anything, but the justice of heaven, the justice of God in you will change everything because justice isn't what you think it is. It's not vengeance, and it's not to make people pay. It's a justice of love, a judgment of love. I judged these people loved. I love them, and that's what's going to heal their hearts. And so... In this, I believe that God's saying, he, this is what he wants. This is Jesus' mandate. This is his mandate. 
The mighty spirit of the Lord Yahweh is wrapped around me because Yahweh has anointed me as a messenger to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted. See, anything that's broken in our hearts disconnects us from people, disconnects us from a love connection. We can hide in a cave and have this love connection, but the evidence that we have this is it goes out. We give it away. There is a time for a cave. There is a time where you need your healing. You've got to respect people where they're at. You've got to give them the opportunity to walk out their healing the way who they are with God because he understands. If you don't understand, that's none of your business. You're looking at the wrong thing. You're trying to make them like you. Unity isn't about trying to make people like you. That's called conformity. You've got to let people grieve the way that they grieve. You've got to honor it. I had a friend who lost her father, and she took a long time to come through the grieving process. And people were saying to her, you got, you've got to get through this. You've got to go through this. They were like, and it was all condemnation, and it was all judgment. But you know what? Only God knows the heart. We don't know the heart. And you know what? She ended up having an experience, a vision of walking in heaven and seeing her father who passed away, whom she loved and adored, she ended up seeing him in heaven. I can tell you right now, all the people that judged her, misunderstood her, <clears throat> didn't have those experiences. It's just religious. I'm going to get over this. I'm going to get over it. No, God cares about your heart, and he cared about her heart. And so she processed her pain. She processed her grieving. What if we can help people in the world process what's happened to them, whether it's been any kind of abuse? That's all in the church too, right? People have gone through many ways of abuse. Many people are in the pain of, of grieving. Many people have soft, suffered generational things, sins that have destroyed the family again and again. It's been a cycle. It's actually been a generational inheritance. And God's saying, I came to heal that. I came to make a divine exchange. That's what Isaiah 61 is all about. You've got mourning. I came to give you joy. You've got, you've got I want to give you the garment of praise. I want to make a divine exchange. For, for your garments. I want, to give you, I want to give you joy for your tears. He always comes to give. He's always giving, giving, giving. We're not trying to get rid of anything. When he comes and he gives, it is taken away, just like nailed to the cross. Whatever was nailed to the cross, we don't want to keep it. We want to say, I, well, you want to remind yourself, wait a minute, this was nailed to the cross. I want to go to what God has already given me and I want to discover it. I want to be awakened to it and know what he's put in my DNA because it's already there. We're just growing. We're discovering who we really are. We're discovering who God really is. So I really believe that this is, this is a time that God wants his people be prepared to heal the brokenhearted, but it starts with each one of us first. It starts with, and it starts in, with family, and it starts with friends. And I believe that um, there's a lot of people <clears throat> that are sad. There's a lot of people um, that are struggling. There's a lot of people that are wounded, even in the body of Christ. And our faith has ignored it. Well, just, let's just speak faith. Let's, oh, you can't be like that. You, you can't share your heart. That, that's ugly. Well, wait a minute. We would be kicking King David out of here too then, wouldn't we? We'd be trying to fix him. I've got a word for King David to how to fix him. I know what's wrong with his heart. We don't have a clue what's going on in people's hearts. Our mandate is just simply to love them right where they're at. 
to love them into wholeness, to love them into well-being, live our lives for their well-being. And so God was speaking to me about the wounded because this really traumatized me watching that video. And I could feel God's heart breaking for those people, but I believe God's heart is breaking just as much for those in the church. And he really wants to heal us. And he really wants our disconnection to be healed. Danielle said, connection, connection, connection. It's a love connection. That's what heals us. That's what heals every relationship. But we don't know that where we connected joint to joint, shoulder to shoulder, bone to bone. The disconnection is trauma. The disconnection is the lies that we believe that so that we can't connect with other people. And you know what? People end up depressed, helpless, and self-pity. They become victims. Um, you know, when Jesus was on the cross, who was beneath him? the victims and the victimizers. So there has to be a place where we bring people that have been abused and suffered great loss, people that have suffered great trauma even for generations. We bring them to the cross and we lead them through forgiveness. And we lead them through mercy has triumphed over judgment. But guess what? You don't cram that down anybody's throat. You wait till they're ready. You honor where they're at. God honors people. He doesn't try to fix them. And so God's saying to me in, in this, all this brokenness, he said, don't shoot the wounded. You know, we shoot the wounded. We try to fix them. And, and God is saying that um, if to me in this, what came up in this, is a friend phoned me, <clears throat> and he, we were talking, and uh, because someone had a question. And someone asked us to a question. And so, okay, we'll, we'll seek God. We'll ask God, okay, God, here's the question. What are you saying? What are you doing? And God started speaking to me. And so we, we spoke and then we hung up and I went to bed and I gave it to God. I said, I have to hear you. I got up in the morning. I went to touch the doorknob to leave my bedroom. I went to open up the door and God said to me, don't despise the broken. And he said to me, he admonished me, be careful what you say. And I knew it had to do with my conversation the night before. We can't be logical, analytical. We can't be, well, I know what's wrong. No, you don't. I don't. It was God saying, God was just, it's not God's wrath to come to me. It's not, it's a discipline of his love. Because he knows if I hold on to any thoughts or any words that are not life, I invite the enemy. I empower the enemy. God's not coming to destroy me. He's not coming to cut off my tongue and calling it wickedness. I open the door. I empower darkness. I empower the father of lies because I'm probably believing some lies. And I knew this is a really defining moment. If anybody that knows me knows, I'm really careful about what I say. I am an encourager. I always build up. I always edify. But there's God admonishing me. And so my friend and I, we had a second conversation to say, okay, this is what I heard God say. What did you hear God say? And so in that conversation, God just said right through me, you're standing on dangerous ground. And to me, that was, okay, that, this is done. This is, this is done. The sinking sand. You see, a wise woman builds her house, but she builds someone else's house too. She speaks life, and she speaks truth. She speaks spirit. spirit. And so, you know, you may think that God, I've, I've encountered God many times about 
speaking words like honey and speaking kindness and speaking truth. And here he is taking me deeper again. But instead of judging myself or condemning myself, I'm just saying, I get it. I get it. I'm not going there. I'm not, I'm not going to be hooked by anybody else's judgments or their opinions or what they see. I'm not going to get hooked into that. I'm not going to join with it and actually start cursing anybody because you think, you think I'm right. And so I really believe what God is, what God is saying <clears throat> for us is that I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Where there's hope, there's life. We need to, God, there's two things God's always saying to me when I go to preach. And so I'm like, well, I can't go back to that one word. Like, you know, he's always talking about give my people hope. Give my people hope. He doesn't want anybody living in hopelessness. But guess what? He's not worried about anybody in hopelessness because out of hopelessness comes hope. Out of the grave comes hope. Grave, out of the grave, hope it, as like resurrection life springs forth. Nothing is dead. Nothing is over. We are living. God is alive. So the word plans means I have thoughts for you. Well, they're like the sand of the sea. So if he has thoughts for me, they're like the sand of the sea. I should hear them or I should go to his word. I should pause and hear him speak to me and then go to the word or go to the word and say, God, I want to hear that. You're saying I'm precious, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. You're saying all these great things about me. I want to go, I want to hear you say that because faith comes when we hear God. Faith comes by hearing God. Faith does not come by reading your Bible. You could kill somebody with your Bible, with the word of God, because it's the letter of the law. You're just going to kill someone and you're going to know that you're right. Faith comes by hearing. When I hear something from God about somebody, you can't change my mind. Anybody could come with me with a story. They can come to me with, I know what I know, I saw it. You can't change my mind because God sees the end from the beginning. He's not looking at the mess someone's in right now. He's like, I knew this person before they were in their mother's womb. I declared who they are. I put my DNA in them. I declared destiny in them. I want people that are going to call out destiny, call out their original identity. They're a little messed up right now because they're hurting. They're just hurting. They just need to... Be, be brought to their original identity again. So God knows the plans he has for you and their thoughts. So what are my thoughts for others? The thoughts I have for me will be the thoughts I give to other people. The thoughts that come down have to go out. And they're not to harm you. They're not for evil. God, when you look at the word, the world, God's thoughts are not for evil. So if you see evil, stop being present to what's evil. Get your eyes off of it. And very present to God's thoughts. What are your thoughts? So he gave me his thoughts in the trauma. He gave me his thoughts and the protesting, the rioting, and the looting. His heart was broken. He gave me his heart in that. You see, we look at the world and we have thoughts, well, that's evil, well, that's evil, and that's evil, and that's evil. All that does is put us up higher and higher and higher and puts people beneath us. When we're, we're all humanity, we dehumanize them because we have God and they don't. They're not to harm you. They're plans, they're thoughts to give you hope in the future. So this pause, when we started with the pause, and Danielle talked about connecting with God, pause and connect with God. Pause in the Psalms means selah. It's breath. Jesus breathed on his disciples. I give you peace. Why? Was it a word? No, it was the substance of who he is. From the very substance of his being, I give you peace. I give you Holy Spirit. I'm not giving you a word. I'm giving you spirit. I'm activating 
the word of God written on your heart. You have a new heart and you have a new spirit. And the word is written on your heart. And God says, in that pause, I want to breathe on the word of God written on your heart because I want it alive and living. Otherwise, it's a dead word. It's all knowledge. It's all information. You could have an encyclopedia of God. God says, I want you to encounter the way that I'm speaking to you. I give you peace. I want your very being to become the substance of peace so you influence rooms, you influence people that have no peace, that you can bring peace to them. That's what Jesus does to us. We have anxiety, stress, whatever, and in the pause, he comes and breathes on us. I give you peace. No separation between you and God. No gap, no distance, no delay. God's here. God's here. When, God, when you let God move in and you realize his presence is with you and in you and for you, anxiety just moves out. We're not fighting anxiety. We're not fighting stress. We're not fighting darkness. We're just divine exchange. He pushes it out. The miracle is God's presence. We're not crying out for a miracle. The miracle is his presence in me. That's my breakthrough. Isaiah 61 changes everything. It's his presence in me and then through me for other people that I carry his presence and they have breakthroughs and they have miracles and they want, they, they want that place. See, we're always following somebody. If they're, if they're giving life, follow them. If they're giving, I want to fix you. I know what's wrong with you. I want to help you. That's not help. That's not life. And so I really believe that where there's hope, there's life. So there, there is a resurrection of life out of hopelessness right now. I believe that another word that was really big last year was the word reset. Troy brought the word reset. Sometimes we get a word and then God's got to build on it because we don't have a clue what it means. Because reset means something different for every person here. It's very individual. But then when we bring, what does reset mean for me? We bring the picture together. We bring the pieces together like a puzzle. It forms a picture of what God's doing in the church. And reset means to set again differently, to move something back to an original place or position, to put a broken bone back in the correct position for healing. And the root of the word reset is to place a gem in a new setting. God wants to put you back in your original identity. He wants to put you back where he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And even the generational lies just get, kept getting passed down. He wants to know you to know that you're a new creation, that you're a new man. The old man has died. And so when he does that, the dead, have, the dead things have to leave. And this is a season of knowing your first love, and it's coming back. It's returning to your first love. It's not a work. How do I do that? I, what, God wants us to come back to our first love. I didn't think I left. How about you let him love you in a way that goes deeper? See, God loved me by warning me that I'm standing on dangerous ground. That was his love because I'm letting you know, don't open up the door, don't empower the enemy. That was his love. That's the discipline of his love. See, he wants to love you. Stop trying to love God. Stop trying your worship to love God. Just let him love you because then you'll experience him and encounter him the way that he wants to show up. Not the way that you want him to show up, not the way that your prayers want him to show up, but the way that he wants to show up. And love always restores you, returns you to original identity. And so in this pause, hear God. Pause and let him speak to you. It's in Isaiah, he talks about that you're cherished and you're precious and that he loves you de dearly. Um, we need to hear these things. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Rhema, I heard him. I didn't read it. I heard him. Someone didn't prophesy over me. I heard it. So get really jealous. Lift up your Bible and say, I haven't heard that. And you'll get him all excited. He'll be, he'll be like, he'll be Twitter-pated. He'll be so excited to reveal to you how cherished you are, how loved you are. I am a child of God. This is what we're doing in the body of Christ. We're restoring everybody to their adoption, that they are children of God, that God's their father, their sons and daughters of the king. You are a king and a priest. And so go to the word of God. Ephesians talks about that we have a now union. It's not a never-never. When I get to heaven, I will have that connection. No, you have that connection now. You are joined to him now. He sees you as holy in his eyes. So when I pray for people, I don't want to see them unholy. I don't want to see them unrighteous. I don't want to be talking to God about anything that I see that could be evil or wicked because God's saying, next. Can I have the next person that will pray? Because I can't watch over that. I perform my word. That's not my word. My word is they're precious. They're beautiful. I see them holy in my eyes. They, with unstained innocence, they are forgiven. Well, God, they need to repent. God says, I see them forgiven. I see unstained innocence. You see, religion hates grace because it's pure love and it's a gift. And it can't be earned, it's just given. And that's not right because religion wants to fight for that and be innocent because of all their works. He sees a total cancellation of our sins. He doesn't see sin. God is not sin-focused. It's not on his thoughts. It's not in his mind. He's not thinking sin when he looks at anyone. He's thinking forgiven. He's thinking mercy's triumphed over judgment. Who will stand in the gap and say mercy's triumphed over judgment? Or are we going to say, well, they're going to they're gonna reap what they sow. Yeah, they're going to reap what they sow. That's not God's heart. Who will stand in the gap and keep standing in the gap? Mercy has triumphed over judgment. Oh, I missed that. I've missed a few for you guys. So I really believe that this is an Ezekiel time. This is a time that you are speaking to your bones. You are prophesying to your bones. You are prophesying to, like Daniel said, to connection. Because there's many things that disconnect us in the body of Christ. We are one body, but there's many things that disconnect us from being one body, one church. And so you are actually speaking to your body, your spirit, soul, and body. You need to prophesy to your bones. Can, God says to you, he has a question, can these bones live? Can the church live? Can your family live? Can your people in your neighborhood live? He's, he wants us to prophesy to the joints of connection and say, Thank you for a love connection, and I thank you for this love connection. It can be messy. It can be hard. We fall forward. We're not doing it right. We're what's called growing. We're practitioners. He's setting a bone in place. He's setting the body of Christ in place. And he's the great physician. He's came to heal the brokenhearted. He's starting with us individually first, but really we're just practitioners. We're practicing a love connection with everybody, and we mess it up royally. Can, you know, just keep moving forward. Keep growing in that love. God wants us to speak life to our relationships. When you, when you pray for anybody, are you speaking life? Jesus said, my words, these are, this, is, this is the scripture I'm standing on in this season. Jesus uh, said in, in um, John 6, 63, the words I speak are spirit and they are life. So I have to ask myself every time, is it my opinion, my judgment, 
Is it something I seen, heard, or know naturally because of my flesh sees it? Or am I going to focus on God, focus on the cross, fo focus on his face, and let my words be spirit and let them be life to whoever I'm praying for? That's for the church. The prayer for this church. Are, are your words spirit and are life for the pastor, for his wife? Are they spirit or are they life? Or am I right? That, it's just cut and dry like that. I'm sorry it is. Because one is connection and one is disconnection. One's the love of God and one is I know what's right. I know who's right and I know who's wrong because I eat from the tree of knowledge. I got all the knowledge. I've got all the information. I know who's good and I know who's evil. How's that working for you? Because if you eat of that tree, the fruit of it for you is death. Not even the words you speak over somebody. The fruit of that. So we become the talking dead. <laughs> we're still talking with the letter of the law, but we don't even know we're dead, so then we're killing everybody else. God wants life, life, life. This is the time to make each other dance. This is the joints. It's the joints of a husband and wife that come together that make them dance. It's the joints that come together. Did you hear the flow in the worship? Do you hear the flow in the word? Why? Because that's the flow of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When I first came to this church, I used to go to the wall every Sunday and look at the wall. This was a dance house. This was a dance house. Then I'd walk in here. And I'd walk back out. This was a dance house. This was a dance house. God loves the dance. David says, I'll be more undignified than this. He loved to offend people. I am not going to stop being who I am for you. What if we're moving into such a move of God that the love connection makes us so full of joy, it makes us so full of joy in being loved that all we can do is dance and praise God. And you know what? And that's the evidence of life, isn't it? Dance and joy are the evidence of life in us. And so religion hates that. Religion hates where people are alive. I'm telling you, I know this because I know when I got my awakening to Christ in me, I knew when I got my awakening to be a, a daughter of God, and I knew it made many people really, really angry to see my freedom. They hated my freedom. And I, at first, I was, it, it traumatized me even more because when you come into that place of awakening and freedom, all of a sudden all the trauma starts to come to the surface and God's going, it's okay, I'm healing that, I'm healing that, you're okay, we're good, I'm healing that. But people that don't like joy and don't like this love move despise it. This house, I said to God, when, because Jesse preaches on love all the time, I said to God, I looked back over all the years, I said, God, He's been preaching about love for years. What's with that? I don't get it. And then God showed me an umbrella. And he showed me people had an umbrella above their head. And so I was thinking, I need to preach about that. I got to ask Jesse what he would think, because not everybody would like an umbrella opened up. Right? Some people are weird. And so the next week I come to church, and there's Jesse with an umbrella. And I'm like, God, I was so excited. I just about came out of my seat. But guess what? How much does that hurt God's heart? That love is bypassing our heart, comes to our head and just falls off. Yep, yep, love message. Yep, yep, good, good, yep, yep. I heard it. Yep, 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 yep. I agree, I agree. Yep, 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 yep. It's time to throw away the umbrella because God's going to move and it's going to be a, an awakening and it's going to be a love movement. Don't miss the train. Don't miss the boat because God's moving in love. And so it's just, when Danielle talked about an invitation here, everything's an invitation. God's always inviting. 
and it's our yes to that invitation. Let him in your heart. It's not what you know. Don't even pray the right prayers. Just stop praying. Stop praying. Stop praying for what's wrong everywhere you go. Just say, here's my heart. I say yes to you like a bride does to her bridegroom. Just come into my heart. Have my heart. So this is what God's doing. And I believe that these connections in this year are going to be pivotal. I believe that God's healing connections. Ask for connections. You might get some connections to people that really need an ICU. Basil said that he sees this church as an ICU and intensive care unit. I agree. So be very gentle with the fragile connection. They just need to be loved. Don't try anything with them. Just love them. Just be a friend. I believe that, that when God heals these heals love with his love connection with us will heal the disconnection in the body and we're not going to cycle through the disconnections because does not the church cycle through disconnection do we want to be or do we want to be the people that say whatever the price is i god i here i am and wherever i've cycled through disconnection where i've wandered where i couldn't put my roots down where i couldn't get connected here i am heal my disconnection I want to be planted. Let the love of daddy heal your disconnection. Let him define your identity. So this is the season. This is the year of divine connections. Of course, I didn't do this. This is the year of divine connections. This is the year that God's gone before you with people that are a footstep ahead of you. Who are they? Who are they? Your pastor is, to begin with. We're not here to, uh, this is totally God because this was not in my word. Your pastor, because God said, hey, hey, you know what? I, I choose you to lead my people. I, I choose you to pastor. He's one footstep ahead. So if we sit here and we judge the word that's coming, we judge what he's doing, we judge ourselves. We judge our own anointing. We judge our own gifts. We compare ourselves and we put ourselves up better. We actually judge the call of God in our life and the doors will be closed, they'll be closed, they'll be closed, they'll be closed, they'll be closed, because it's not honor. It's not honor. Promotion doesn't come through your gifts. Promotion comes through you honored the people that God gave you. So look for the people that are one footstep ahead of you this year and follow in their footsteps. I follow someone that is ahead of me. I feel like they're 10 miles ahead of me. And one day I had an encounter with God and I fell in their footstep. And it was like falling into a sea of, of grace. And there was, there was no gravity. And I'm like, and, and I was there for quite a while. And when I came out of it, I said, and God, you're saying they're only one footstep ahead of me? Like, oh my goodness, I want to fo- follow that person. This is the small circle season. Take your small circle, take your one, make Christ the center, look at him, don't make healing, don't make brokenness, don't make fixing the church or fixing anyone the center, make Jesus the center. And when you make Jesus the center of your circle, when you all turn around, you'll have your backs to each other, you'll have each other's backs, and you're going to bring Jesus Christ the center of your life to others so that he's the center of their life. So I bless you in that. Find your one. Find the one that's gone ahead of you. Find the one that God is joining you to. There's a flow. There's a flow here, obviously. There's a flow here. This is happening. This is a circle. There's a, there's a flow that where you can give to the one that needs to be lifted up and needs to be restored. So we're just practicing. We're living life for the well-being of others. God loves family. He loves relationship. Um, I bless you. Father, I just bless your people that this is the season of in the pause, we let you in. We just close our minds and we open up our hearts and we say, yes, Jesus. Yes, lover of our soul. 
We allow you, Jesus, to kiss us, and we will kiss back. We thank you that you're healing the brokenhearted because, Jesus, you have good news. You have good news, and every word you speak to us, it's truth and it's life. So, Jesus, would you send us out as messengers of good news to each other, to the one that we follow, that we recognize the good news, to the one in the circle that we heal each other's identity just through a love connection, that we remind each other of who we are. And Lord, give us one person this year that we can pour into and see them reconciled to you, see them redeemed, and see them restored. And we just give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.